0: it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans, for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy, Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgich pulls off three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Dodgich wins the game at the buzzer! Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered.
1: Zion for four, for four!
0: The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level.
1: Here's Davis, 4-3 in the wind. Oh, it's good! Anthony
0: Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. To the first week of playoffs here at NBA coast to coast, got my buddy Ron in here. We're happy to talk about some playoff basketball, some of the most interesting playoff basketball we've seen. But mostly because your Knicks, they're right in the thick of it. How are you feeling this week?
1: Oh man, it's been unbelievable watching the watching the games in the in the Garden. I mean, just the atmosphere has just been unbelievable. Obviously, we've seen the downside of having uh, fans back with a couple of incidents. Uh, in certain games, but for the most part, it's been it's been positive and it's just been it's been unbelievable. And I'm lo- loving every second and hoping it, hoping it can go on uh, on into the second
0: round. How, how does your phrase go again? Dump every bag of popcorn, love every moment. Is that what it is? <laughs> Spit at every player. I mean, people have not been in society for a year and I guess they just have forgotten how to act or I, I don't know. But yeah that, that's a whole aside to everything that's been going on like how fans have been just I mean there's just such a ridiculous divide between players and the fans and how they just so many fans just do not have basic respect and it's just it's it's sickening it's sickening to see it I'm glad to see fans get banned yeah we'll
1: wait and see now if someone tries that. Uh tries to take the challenge on Tristan Thompson he came out <laughs> with that with that, with that, that, was, that was almost a challenge let's see let's see let's see what happens with that I wish it was he's again. gonna follow
0: someone home
1: <laughs> but I, I like someone will probably think oh yeah it'd be so funny if I do that to him tonight or something like that does that's that's unfortunately what some people would re- how people react to that that's we're gonna thing. try to
0: get it on world star <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but back to the garden um I think this is, you know, a lot of fans are, are looking at the Knicks and the Hawks, and if they haven't been paying attention, they have not noticed how the Hawks have really come on hot at the end of the season. Knicks have been just the picture of um, just competition throughout the entire season. And to have that matchup in the first round, we, as we predicted, it has been fantastic. And more so, like, Trey Young, his care, his player arc right now, being from like this undersized underdog to a superstar in college and then questions about, you know, how he's going to translate to the NBA. And then he shows up and he's one of the most dynamic scores, dynamic offensive players, playmakers in this league, and how he's become the villain of the NBA. It's, it's, it's such a, it's such a weird character arc. I can't think of the last time it's happened to a guy like him. And I just love the fact that he's just soaking up every minute of it, especially in the garden.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, as an Atlanta fan, you gotta love seeing that sort of uh, that sort of reaction out of him. That this sort of play, of course. I mean, that first game, thirty-two, seven, and ten. Only the fourth player to have a 30, 30-plus thirty-plus point, ten-plus assist uh, game on their playoff debut. I mean, he was he was unbelievable. He made that winning shot towards the end. Um, to be honest, I think the Knicks were just really poor defensively on him. Not that I'm sure, I'm sure he would have got the scoring done anyway, but the Knicks really, the, it was a very clear thing that they needed to try and take away his right hand somehow. That slows him down a bit. Of, that makes him that think for that extra second where he might not be able to make a play or he might not be able to put up the floater. And it, it took until the second half of the second game before the Knicks actually started to do that consistently and it slowed him down a little bit. But for the most part, he's been unbelievable. The The first two games of the Garden, he's dropped 30 points uh, each night and he has just been mesmerizing really some of the deep threes and the floater has just been has just been awesome
0: that, that was the thing we were worried about that trey Young is i mean he may be small and people think oh well you you put some physical defenders on him you're going to be able to to take him out like no like he is too quick he can get to any spot he wants to on the court unless you have some really good defensive plan. i, I don't think the way that they played the pick and roll, that they gave him enough pressure on the screen. I don't think they mm-hmm. they didn't hedge hard enough. I, I don't think they brought enough help. And those last two floaters to win the game, I mean that he it was easy.
1: Yeah,
0: and it wasn't because the on ball defender was was like particular. I mean, so the screens for Capella first of all, the screens from Capella and John Collins has been excellent for Trey on to get free. But there just wasn't enough help on those pick and rolls and Trey, he was just wide open both times. And I, I mean, I definitely expect that Tibbs throughout the, the series is going to find a way to fix that. But personnel wise, um, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not even gonna start to talk about the defensive of, of Derek Rose is to hell with that. I mean, the, the performances he's been putting up, I mean, it's bringing tears to my eyes, right now. I'm just seeing how how he's completely retooled himself and, you know, become a, a different player. Um, especially from how he used to play back in his prime days and to capture that amount of talent this late in his career and to do it under his old coach next to his buddy Taj. Like it's, it's, uh, it's made for the movies, man. I mean, it's perfect.
1: Yeah, no, it really is. It's been, he's been unbelievable. He is, he's, he's kept us in, like it could very easily be two and off if it weren't for Derek Rose, he's, he's been our best player by a significant uh, margin and, he may not have the explosive speed or just the explosive nature of his old game, but now we just get to see his basketball genius. I mean, the little moves that he makes and the smart plays, and he, and he can still has that little burst to get away from from defenders. When he knows going up against a bigger defender, he knows when to make the move that will get him past him and up into the basket. He's, he's doing everything for us. He's, he's making big threes. He's doing it from the free throw line, and that's not even really his – his main game at all, but he, he's still stepping up and, and making those plays. And it's, it's just, it's been unbelievable to watch since he's come back to New York. He made it, made it a mission really. He wanted to come back. Obviously he, he he loves playing with coach Tibbs and that was a big reason for coming back. But he also felt like he didn't do himself justice the first time around, which is true. And he has come back and he is just doing it all and now making a huge impact in the postseason
0: absolutely i want to i want to talk about your boy here real quick because you know i'm not super concerned but you know i'm not necessarily we're definitely not seeing the same level of production out of julius randall if he's putting in the performances that he was putting in um, against the hawks during the regular season i mean he was torching the hawks throughout every game that they played in the regular season and i'm, I'm not seeing it from him here like what, what's the uh, what's the answer
1: yeah, it's it's tough to say really. I think he's just struggling a bit with the with the double teams. I mean, the Hawks are defending him well, their defense has improved a great deal, and we're really seeing it in these first two games. You you wonder maybe is it the pressure pain in the garden? It's hard to say. You hope you hope it's not. You hope that the top players don't feel that sort of pressure, but it'll be interesting to see if it has obviously there's gonna be a crowd in Atlanta as well, but it'll be interesting to see if there's that that little bit of pressure off, not playing in front of the home crowd and maybe he'll be able to to relax and just find his shot like he has been doing. There's been times when he's just been not aggressive enough or he's taking that extra second, he's holding on to that ball for that extra second and that's causing him to make mistakes whereas in the regular season, he knew what he was about and he was going to make the play that he wanted to make. He wasn't going to get let anyone else have an influence on what he was going to do when the ball was in his hands and unfortunately uh in the early days of the of this series it, it hasn't been like that, but he started to make some plays in in the second half uh, obviously he was made some key plays and that com- that was a 16 point comeback to get the win on uh, on Wednesday night and he started to make some plays but he's still got to step up to get somewhere close to what he was doing uh, in the regular season if we we're going to win this series
0: yeah he's he's, he's got to really step up and I, he's the X factor because I think the Knicks have have played excellently um the, the team as a whole the effort has still been there and I think he'll come around the presence of DeAndre Hunter has to be helping the Atlanta Hawks defense they've been without him for a lot of the season um and every time he's on the court you know their, their defensive metrics skyrocket I mean the guy can do everything on the defensive end um but the thing that I love the most about this series is you know regardless of who ends up coming out of it what we're going to have here are the beginnings of what I honestly see to be a really good rivalry in the East. We're, not, we're dying for these rivalries. There's been such a delta between the best teams in the East and the worst. Um, and we're seeing that right now with the Nets and the 76ers. And those are, are pretty clear gentlemen sweeps, if not outright sweeps. But I'd love to see this continue next year. We'll, we'll see if, if the bulls jump up into that and and if the pacers continue to to improve i mean these teams are are very well matched and it's really fun to see how i mean Trey young is starting to get a little bit of that that heat in him looking over at the Knicks, saying, i'll I'll see you in the a (laughs) the way the way he said it too i um, i'm really i'm really interested to see what kind of performance he's going to put out because he looks like he's promising a win the way he's talking it up
1: yeah absolutely i mean uh it's gonna be, it's gonna be a bit, it's gonna be really cool. I think it's a, it's a great, gonna be a great experience for him first playoff game in uh, in front of uh, his home crowd. I think you just hope that he he rises to the moment like he did uh, playing in the garden, and if he does, uh, Julius Randall better better answer the call on, uh, on the
0: road. Yeah, and and staying in the middle of the East, um, one of the maybe not surprising, maybe it shouldn't be surprising. But a very significant story to this year is the Bucks and the Heat. We all know what happened last year. We all know all the pressure that's been on Milwaukee, the front office, whether or not Giannis was gonna sign, whether or not the issues with the way they constructed the roster this year would pan out. And you know, I, I think a lot of eyes would have been looking at this series if Giannis hadn't re-signed, that this would have been make or break. So. A little bit of pressure of that is off, but the narrative, at least, for the Bucs to be a real contender was, you better not lose to this team again. And man, they are just absolutely destroying them. Now, I mean, the Bucks defense, a lot of people have talked about how it's not been as efficient this year. And I think a lot of people talked about how they've changed it up a lot. You know, they changed how different assignments they would, they would run, what kind of lineups that they would run. And Bud has shown that he's been a lot more adaptable this year. And you know they are just flat out dominating the Heat on the defensive end of the ball, on the defensive end of the floor. And Drew Holiday's impact is very, very clear.
1: Oh yeah, you're really, really seeing the impact of Drew on this on this folks team in, the, in this series, especially. And you just want to want an example of the of the improvements in the defensive end from, from Milwaukee. Look at Jimmy Butler; he's currently averaging. 15 7 and 6 he's shooting 31% from the field and 31% from 3. Last season in the series against the Bucks he was averaging 23 points, 6 boards, 4 assists. He was shooting 53% from the field and 45% from 3. They have completely and totally nullified Jimmy Butler and none of the role players other than that in that first game are stepping up to in Jimmy's absence basically on the the offensive end?
0: I mean, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson basically becoming the Splash Brothers for half of the series last year was definitely a huge reason why they lost that series, but man, I I don't think that I mean, he'd have had a really good season at the end of the year, and I I think it gave them it gave me confidence that they were at least going to take the game to seven, Yeah, but the way the Bucks have dominated and the way that the Heat have really struggled with floor spacing, with getting open shots, with really getting to their sets. I mean, the half-court defense of the Bucks have just completely um, suffocated any, any of the Heat's opportunities to score. And, you know, one huge thing is, you know, if Butler and Bam are going to share the floor, if those are going to be your two best players, you know, someone's got to be able to, to make a shot for themselves. And Butler can't do it all the time. I mean, Bam has made a lot of strides and being a better playmaker and being better at getting at the rim and shooting the mid-range but he's really got in the offseason really got to work on his shot because that's a huge thing that's missing from this team is having him being a threat off the ball um, I mean if it it's a lot of threat he's elite but people are going to leave him and let him shoot all the time that's really hurting the heats ability to have any driving legs at all
1: yeah absolutely I think uh, obviously th- three, three and0 oh now what we look at the, after that first game obviously it went to overtime. Uh, Middleton ultimately won it for, for the books and it, it, the narrative just could have been so different. I mean, I was looking at Yannis in that game, and when I saw Butler make that bucket to force over t- overtime, I was just looking at Yannis. He was ten of twenty-seven from the field, right. six mm-hmm. of thirteen from the free throw line, and he got done for a 10-second violation while at the free yeah. throw line. I was I was there ready to slam him and just be like a crazy thing because so many of elite players down the years have not been great free-throw shooters. But I was looking at it literally as like, his struggles at the line were almost stopping him from becoming an elite player. And then, of course, they ultimately win the game thanks to Chris Middleton. And then since then, what what does the answer He's 24, 15, uh, just under six assists a game. He's shooting 51% from the field and he's shooting just below 80% from the free-throw line, which is a huge jump. For what from what he usually averages, and it's just changed the narrative completely. I mean, it was it's just so funny the way how quickly things can change. I mean, you wonder if Middleton doesn't make that shot and the Heat ultimately win that first game, where where we be right now? I think that the Bucks really needed that first game just to sh- prove to themselves that we're a better team now and we can take down this Miami Heat team, and they're they're showing it now.
0: Yeah, and Chris Middleton. Give this man his respect. He and Drew Holiday are two of the most underrated players in this league. I mean, the, the Bucks completely live or die by Giannis's star performances, but they don't, they don't live in situations like that without Chris Middleton taking a guy one-on-one and pulling a Kobe fadeaway. Like, that shot is something you reserve for the likes of LeBron, for the likes of Devin Booker, for the likes of Kevin Durant the likes of the, the best scorers in this league and Chris Middleton never gets looked at like that, but he is absolutely the guy on, you know, you, where do you chalk it up? Third, fourth, second, depending on the uh, what point of the year, how good the bucks are. He's the best scorer on arguably one of the best teams in the league. And he needs that respect. He needs that respect. He always goes in night in night out has been basically close to a 50, 40, 90 guy for the past four seasons. And he does it all while being the only, you know, go-to wing scorer outside of Giannis.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, he's kind of almost always going to be living in in Giannis's shadow. But the Bucks know how valuable he is, and I think Bucks fans should. I hope they know how valuable he is to this team because he steps up with big plays often, and when doesn't happen too often when teams are kind of able to nullify Giannis inside, and when they need Milton to be able to come up with big shots from outside, he. He does it more often than not. The only thing you look at when I'm walking there might not mean too much in terms of this series, but DiVincenzo is out for that is tough for yeah. the postseason. That's that's a big blow. He was playing some good minutes as a, as a starter.
0: Yeah, Brent Forbes has definitely had some very good moments mm. in this series. Uh, we won't go too deep here. Going <laughs> going to Brent Forbes, man, he was a guy that was interesting when the, he signed uh, to the Bucks, pulled him away from the Spurs, and he's a really really good shooter. But I didn't see him do much in that, but He's been attacking the basket. He's competed on defense, and he's still been a dead-eye three-point shooter. Um, look for him to step into a bigger role here. Look, look for him to have the opportunity to prove that you know he is. I don't. I don't know if he's an NBA starter, but the way that he can shoot the ball, I, I think he's going to add an element that Divincenzo didn't. I mean, I, I I'm a, I'm a lot more scared of Brand Forbes getting open jump shots. Than I am of DiVincenzo.
1: Yeah, no that that's uh, that's very fair. I think uh, obviously it'd be interesting to see where Milwaukee go from here. But it looks like it's going to be a sweep of Miami and a great bounce back after after the disappointment of last year.
0: Yeah, and uh, let's let's switch. We we have all these amazing storylines. I want to keep talking about them. And this is the beauty of the first round this year. I, I can't remember the last time we had a first round of the playoffs where we had so many interesting storylines and we had so many really contentious series. You now, there's not a lot of obvious, this team's gonna win it, this is our favorite. There's a lot of, you know, question marks, even right now. Even right now, we're three games into it and I'm still not sure who's gonna win. You know, the, the Blazers Nuggets series, obviously Jokic and Austin Rivers going supernova. In the, uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, Rivers is always good for that, and I think yeah. whoever can channel Hoop Mixtape, Austin Rivers is is going to be a, a fantastic coach. But um, out in the West, I, I do want to admit, real quick, um, I got to revisit my takes on Aton because Aiton's played very well. Yeah, lately la- the the Lakers with, with with Chris Paul looking too injured to to beat his banana boat brother LeBron over there and, and in Lakeland, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think without Chris Paul being healthy, it's going to happen. But I I do have to look at this and say, Aiton has certainly stepped up. He, He hasn't been a superstar presence, but he's been a steady, steady player this whole time. I mean, he's efficiently scored at the basket. He hasn't been dominant. I mean, he's had moments where he's literally gotten the ball under the rim on a smaller player. It's the same old story, and he won't go up. Or he'll be all alone. He won't even go up. But he's still... Does so well to play off of the playmakers that the Suns have, and if he can just start to grasp his potential, man, like he could be really good. I mean, if he just starts to realize, like, hey, I'm playing against Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and I can do better than this. Like, the sky's the limit for him. This he's playing soft right now, and he's playing a little bit timid, but he's still putting up the numbers. He's still being a very productive player, one of the key players of the Suns right now. I'm. I, I don't think he's going to figure it out this round but for him to just get this chance to have this experience it's going to be huge.
1: Yeah no it's got to, you got low for the Suns I mean I, they they got the second seed this year and arguably got the most horrible first round draw that any second seed has, has ever had having to go up against AD LeBron and the and the reigning champion Lakers but Aiton and Booker first first uh, playoff experience and they're both showing up. They're both putting in big performances. It's going to be tough for them to to really push the Lakers now that, that Chris Paul, maybe he'll be able to come back. But since going down that injury, he looks like he's playing at maybe 50 60%. And that's just not, that's just not going to be doable for, for Phoenix, unfortunately. But this experience is going to be great. And as long as you keep on seeing the good production levels from Booker and Aiton, you can just be really excited about what, what the future holds for this Suns team. And knowing that your star players are capable of showing up on on the, on the big stage, I mean, you look at it now for the Lakers. You think they're going to take the series now? Obviously, that first game Booker was absolutely unbelievable. I mean, thirty four, seven and eight, shot fifty percent from the field, forty three percent from three, and then and they were fairly comfortable with with their, with their win in the end. I mean, AD had an absolute shocker. 13, 7 and 2. He was 5 of 16 on the field, but that appeared to just be the kick up the backside that uh, that AD needed. He saw the media hate, he saw everything, and he, he's come back and answered the two games since uh, the, the game, uh, the first game or the second game in Phoenix. He was 34, 10 and 7 with three blocks, 18 of 21 at the free throw line. That's what AD has to do. That's when you know he's playing well, when he's being aggressive and getting to the free throw line and shooting it at a great percentage. It was the same again uh, last night. He was 12-14 uh, from the free throw line, another 34 points. And he, he's really just stepping up and showing why him and, and, and LeBron are considered the, the best one-two punch in, uh, in the NBA still. And now that CP3 is there and you just look at LeBron and you're like, he just has this game in his hands and he knows he can just do whatever he wants with it. He just seems in charge whenever he, he's not doing anything amazing. I mean, he's averaging 21, 6 and 9, but he's shooting 50% from the field, 37% from three. And it just seems that when he's on the ball, he's just like, okay, I can have a little fun with this now and, and, and just do what I want. And that's just, that's just the way it's been, unfortunately, for, uh, for Phoenix. But good, good performances out there. It's just unlucky that, that CP3 looks like he's not going to be healthy for the rest of this series.
0: Yeah, and for both AD and LeBron, however, it is indicative that this is the tougher road that they ended up taking. Getting to the playing tournament, having to play a higher seed. I mean, they're playing 40 minutes a game. It's You want them to be healthy by the time they need to get to the championship. That's going to be, you're going to have more seven game series down the road. And, you know, the health is going to be the biggest thing for them. If AD goes down, mm-hmm especially if LeBron goes down, it's over. Mm -hmm. That's all, that's all it takes. They're one injury to one of the, to one of those guys away. And, you know, they have to play better to get bigger leads, give these guys more rest. I mean, I don't think that coming off of a season where they were so injured that they're going to survive playing 40 minutes a game for every night against opponents like the Suns. Um, And just, just to talk about the Suns too, I, I think one factor in addition to Chris Paul being hurt is, You know, I mean, Chris Paul is the, the cog around which everything runs. But I mean, some of those pieces are also not running. I'm not seeing, I gave Mikhail Bridges a lot of credit throughout the season. And he hasn't reached double digits in the past two games. He had 10 points, four rebounds in the first game in 41 minutes. I mean, he's had a tough assignment defensively. And you're always going to have a tough assignment going up against the AD and LeBron, but he's got to do more on the offensive end and he's shown that he can do it he's shown that he can be in he can he can leak out and play in the open court he's shown that he can have a tighter dribble and get to the basket but he's not doing it against the lakers And and the lakers aren't even gaming for him the lakers aren't worried about him so when when the lakers are running up and down the court trying to prevent Devin Booker from scoring i need to see mikhail bridges do more than that i mean he if he wants to talk about not being a three and d guy you know, you, you showed some flashes of it in the regular season, but you got to show up for your team when you're playing the Los Angeles Lakers. You can't just shrink, and be scoring six and four points, and watching Devin Booker deal with double teams that whole game.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. That's been a bit of disappointment. I think we've seen we've seen go admit Some guys like uh, like Cam Johnson uh, in, in response to that coming off the bench. He, he's he's putting some some uh, put up some big numbers for them, but. Yeah, Michael Bridges not not playing to the same level that we saw in uh, in the regular season, and that's where you kind of qu- you, you look at the li- the limitations of of a player. I mean, obviously it's only an early playoff experience for him, but you want to see more from him. And the biggest thing with the Suns is they're playing. Obviously, they're playing as second favorites here. People are thinking now that, that that the Lakers have bounced back after the the opening defeat with with Chris Wells' injury, that the Lakers are just going to ease now to maybe a. Uh, a five or, or a five or a six game uh, win, but the Suns just have to go out there and just push this Lakers team, push the likes of AD and LeBron, and see what sort of level they're at. See if they're at hundred percent. They push them. out of bounds. Yeah, just just like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you try you can try that too. That's a that's a Devin Booker. That's the route he took last night. Maybe maybe that can work in the future. You know. <laughs>
0: yeah. Man, it's pissing me off that Cameron Payne is is playing good basketball for a high seeded playoff team like what the hell like where, where did that come from like Mikhail bridges won't show up but I we have Cameron Payne here who is better known for his his bricks and his dance moves <laughs> uh I, I'm just I'm just flabbergasted at, at him having this continued success but good for him I mean of all the backup point guards in the playoffs currently he probably be making a very short list of the most impactful bench guards right now I mean the guy's consistently been very good for this team and I, I don't know about your prediction that it's not going to be a five-game series I, if Chris Paul is not healthy I, I don't know where the production is going to come from because DeAndre Ayton's doing it Devin is doing everything he can and you know unless we get an absolute heater from Cameron Payne again have him go uh seven for seven from three like he did a couple years ago with the bulls and then we were just happy to to let him let him go on to the Suns. So they'll, they'll uh <laughs> they'll, they'll be happy to to bet on that and here they are with him but let, let's let's move on to a really interesting matchup for me this is my favorite matchup of the series i've loved it from the second it started the jazz and the grizzlies for so many reasons has been such a fun matchup we know that in the first game donovan mitchell was quote unquote still injured there's just a little bit of confusion <laughs> between whether it's team doctors, there's player doctors, and ultimately the team decided that Mitchell wasn't able to play. And they're trying to be cute. Let's be real with it. They're trying to be cute. They're trying to give Mitchell a little bit extra rest because this is a spunky young, youngest team, in the league, the Grizzlies. It's just a spunky team. Well, they'll deal with it. I mean, let's reaffirm the fact that the Utah Jets are the best, are still the best team in the NBA right now, statistically speaking, in everything they do. But, man, the Grizzlies punch them in the mouth, and they've done that to everybody this year. I, I don't know why teams look at them and don't realize that that's what they're going to do. But, man, they just go 110%. And Dylan Brooks is just continuing this absolute <laughs> nightmare of defending the best player, giving him hell all game, attacking the basket, attacking anybody at the rim, and shooting – out of his damn mind I mean he'll, he'll take any crazy shot and you know he's not and it's at the point now where like you know he's got to take it because Jod ja doesn't have that game right now who else do you rely on when the starters are on the floor I mean Dylan Brooks is the go-to guy if you if you need someone to go out and get a bucket
1: no oh, absolutely I mean he's been my guy he was he was a big big contributor on my fantasy team this year <laughs> I've been loving what I, what I what I've seen out of Dylan Brooks. And he's been huge for the ja- uh, for the Grizzlies in, in in the first two games, especially in that, that first game when him and uh, him and Morant combined for fifty seven. Ultimately, they won by by three points, and they took advantage of uh, of the Jazz not having Mitchell. That was that was a big thing. I think that was then the big difference in in, uh, in game two where Mitchell comes in, scores twenty five in just just under twenty six minutes and allowed Gobert to to become that bit more of an X-factor in in the game. And then, of course, the Jazz ultimately just went off like they are so capable of doing. This is a team, the Jazz are best when their whole team is functioning. I mean, in terms of scoring, they had 15 more makes in game two on just nine more shots from the field. And then in terms of three-point shots, they made seven more and they shot, having shot eight less. That was they just went off. They they notched up 141 points. And even a 47, four and seven performance in ja couldn't try, drag the grizzlies to to with even single digits of the jazz because they just were were unbeatable that, that night. When they go off like that, it, it is so hard it's impossible. to stop them. Yeah, you,
0: you can't you can't beat the jazz when playing this good. Mm. And let's keep in mind that the, the Grizzlies are a top ten defense, I gonna be top five. This is very real results against a very competitive, very defensively gifted team in the Memphis Grizzlies. And the Jazz dropped 141 on their head. Mm -hmm. You couldn't stop a single pick and roll. The biggest thing was Rudy Gobert setting a just swallowing screen. Can't get around that body. And then once he starts rolling to the rim, even with Jaron Jackson, even with Jonas Valanciunas, I mean, Rudy Gobert has, you know, everyone's going to laugh at the screen assists. Everyone's going to laugh at the, oh, well, the... The, the uh, statistics show that when he crashes to the rim, they give up. But, but, like everyone's going to make fun of that. But dude, it works. I mean, you watch these games and you can't do anything about it if you don't protect the rim, if you don't box Gobert out, if you send help, Gobert's going to score. I mean, he scored every single time they pulled a defender off of him.
1: Hmm.
0: And it's just impossible when you have Mike Conley, who this is a fun, the fun, these little connections here are really fun for me. Cause, I mean, he's playing his old team, he's playing the brand new grit and grind team. I mean, that, that's what this Grizzly team is. It's, it's a supercharged grit and grind. He loves to run up and down the court. But him facing his uh, his replacement, really, John Morant, is so cool to see. And to see uh, this battle between Gobert and Bounce Eunice, who in his own right has really made his mark on the league, just being this brutally physical center. I mean, the, the matchups have been really fun to watch. And Donovan Mitchell you said it, his impact, you know, you look at 25 points, you know, that's not superstar numbers, but the way that he can get anywhere he wants on the court, especially against defenders like this, um, it it's just unbeatable when you have three-point shooters around him like that, when you have ball movement like that, when you have a rim running center like that, The the Jazz have completely figured out the formula and is translating to the playoffs right now. And if they keep it going, I, I don't know how upcoming teams are going to face that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think in terms of looking at it from the Grizzlies' point of view, you just think they're they're heading home now. Can they do what they did on the road? Can they split the series and make the Jazz just sweat that little bit? That's got to be that's got to be the aim now. And it's and it's certainly it's certainly possible with the with the way the Grizzlies play. And if they can somehow catch the Jazz on a cold night, they can they can take advantage of that because they work so hard and they play so hard that if a team gives them an opening, they are going to take it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, what's your prediction for this? I, the Jazz win, right? I mean, if they win tonight in, in convincing fashion like they did against mm. um, like a 130-point game for the Grizzlies, um, that, that's going to be a pretty, a pretty tough hole to dig themselves out of. But say, say they split it. How, how are you feeling there? Say they split the, this, uh, this home, homestay for the Grizzlies. Where, where are you at with them?
1: I mean, it, it, it's it's hard to say. I mean, you still want to favor favor the Jazz, but if they split the series again, they're they're heading to Game Five back in uh, back in Utah. The Jazz are going to be sweating that little bit. They're going to be thinking back to last year when they when they went down to the Nuggets, everything that went on there, and that's when the Grizzlies are going to be well set to take advantage of that little bit of worry creeping into the Jazz's mind. It's tough to kind of have that set mentality that you're the best team until you can prove it in the postseason, until you can win that mm-hmm. first series. So if they can switch the, these games, I mean, the Grizzlies will – they'll have that little bit of a chance, it, it, a lot more of a, of a chance than you would think uh, heading into this series.
0: Because they they do not care. I mean, the, the, the bright lights, the first time in the playoffs, that does not apply to this team. I mean, they're they the youngest team in the league. And they've walked on to the same court as the best team in the NBA. And they are going toe to toe with them. I mean, look at, look at the score from, from last game. And, and, you, and you, you don't get the context of the competition that's gone on. I mean, the jazz, the jazz had to have one of their best games of the season to beat the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, they're definitely not here for a moral win. So if they, if they lose these two games and they, they end up only getting one or two wins out of the series... You know, they're not here for that, but to see this team at their age, at their level of progression, succeed at this level against again, the best team in the NBA. I mean, the NBA better watch out for how the Grizzlies shake um, things out next year. They don't have to make any additions. If their young guys all just commit, stay on the floor, and they get better in their games, they're gonna be a scary team, a scary, scary team. And uh, Most
1: definitely. And uh, speaking of uh, scary teens and scary individuals, how about we talk about a bit of Luca? Luca,
0: <laughs> another another high-seated uh, Western Conference team struggling against what should be what an easy win against the Mavericks. That's what they thought, but you 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 cannot. And we can't talk enough about just how much of a superstar. Doncic is like like the the conversation doesn't stop and I, I don't know I don't know where it ends I, I don't know where we end up talking about Luca when it's all said and done but for <laughs> him to be doing this in this stage of his career it's just it, it blows my mind I mean it's, it's you know I'm, I'm not the best basketball historian you know but but it has the feeling to me of of like a in a way like a, a Michael Jordan type story of of a star on his own challenging best of the league I mean that that bought that Boston team was definitely not to be compared with the Clippers at all but anyway, Kawhi and Paul George I mean th- those are the two best that's a that's, that's the best wing combo in the league I mean and in, in Luca it's not like he's got a star Porzingis next to him he's got a really good team around there I think they've really coalesced here well in the playoffs but Luca pretty much on his own with a good supporting cast is annihilating This Clippers team. I mean, where's where's the where's the claw? Where where's where's all all defense, Paul George? I mean, you got two of arguably the best defenders if you're gonna pick who who am I gonna pick to play one on one defense against fill in the blank. You gotta have your mind on Kawhi. You're probably gonna have your mind on Paul George. I mean that they're getting cooked. It's insane.
1: No, it's it's been it's been unbelievable. I mean. And it's showing that that edge, that that desire to win and that desire to improve from Luca. He's he's going out there and saying, This team beat us last year, and I am not gonna let it happen again. That that is literally that seems to be his mentality, and, and he's shown it. I mean, that first game, that was almost a perfect performance from the from the team as a whole. They, they it was a great performance, especially Luca with the 31, 10, and 11 triple double. And then he somehow goes on and improves on that with that. The, the the second game I mean the thirty nine points seven seven boards seven assists some of the shots he was making were just unbelievable it's, it's insane
0: that when one, he gets inside one leg, the one the one leg the one leg of three <laughs> that that's that's the James Harden in the offseason just tooling around with some YMCA guys type of shot I mean when he took that I was like wait what like when he released the shot I I wasn't even expecting I was I was expecting him to get get into the offense and you know do his dribble dribble but he just took a one-legged fade away from 35 feet just two plays after he pulled off a Kobe teardrop on Kawhi Leonard. And I mean, in that moment, I'm like, there's, there's literally nothing offensively that he can't do. Hmm. I mean, he can get by whoever he wants. He doesn't have to be the fastest guy on the court, but he knows how to use his hesitation. He knows how to use his body. He knows how to use his footwork. I mean, he can score literally from anywhere. And he, man, Chris Dabbs, he's playing. He's playing well. Twenty points, four rebounds. That last game, but again, he's not really being that superstar. I mean, the biggest player, really, in my mind, is Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, He's constantly hitting some key shots and key moments. And I, I hate, I hate talking beyond the game and thinking forward. But you know, I'm, I'm always thinking about Team Billy. That's what I, that's what I love about the league. But if Luca, if if the Mavs end up adding more around him. I don't know what they do this offseason, but Tim Hardaway might just be the best thing for them to do. I mean, the way that he's played, the way he's been successful next to Doncic, I I don't know if they use their money in free agency for anything else. I mean, Josh Richardson hasn't really showed up. Again, Porzingis hasn't been a world eater. Can't rely on Dorian Finney-Smith. I mean, it's it's really the, the Hardaway and Doncic show.
1: Yeah, I mean that they showed that obviously the first game he was coming off the bench away. him and Brunson off the bench combined for thirty six points, and then game two we got to start ahead of ahead of Josh Richardson, and he put up twenty eight points, went six of eight from three, and made buckets in really really key moments for for the Mavericks, and he he's been he's been really impressive for this whole season, coming off the bench for the most part, but when he started he's still putting up consistent numbers. And the biggest thing about the series so far, obviously D- Dallas have gone on the road and won two games. Heading back, uh, heading back home tonight. On paper, you're like, okay, the Mavs did it to the Clippers. You gotta still believe the Clippers are capable of doing what the Mavs did to them. You know, you gotta think it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if the Clippers were able to go two and zero right back on, on on the Mavs. But I mean, Kawhi and Paul George have both been doing it on offense. Defense has been the issue for them. I mean, Kawhi went 26 10 and 5, and then 41 6 and 4. And then George is 23 6 and 5, 28 12 and 6. I mean, they're doing it on the offensive end, but Luka is just beating them. And they're not doing enough on, on the defensive end. The defense is where it's got to start for, for the Clippers. They've got a great defensive team. They've got their two stars, are two of the best two way players in this game. And if they want to show they've gotten better, they want to show that they're not bottlers, Paul George. Uh, come out, come up and show. Come up and show that you're not going to get beaten by by Luca, and you're not going to be destroyed by one twenty two year old. If you're the, want to be the, want to be the superstars, you got to do it in the postseason. Let's see the Clippers get to a higher level than they've ever been before, or not? I <laughs> I
0: I think they're really missing one guy, and this might sound crazy because of the way he played in the in the regular season, but Lou Williams was a key player for them to keep leads alive when either Leonard or Paul George weren't on the floor. There was a case last year, it was a case for a bunch of this year. Um but obviously not having his his pick and roll partner uh in, in Trez this year is, is tough but man i don't think that they have anybody coming off the bench that you can really be scared of. I, I mean Reggie Jackson hasn't really shown that he's going to produce at the level to to really compete with uh, with the best there. I am not scared of anything on this roster outside of Kawhi and Paul George. And, he, and even and you said it that that Paul George has has produced, same thing with Kawhi, but you know, if, if they if they lose this and he doesn't show up, he's he showed in the past couple of games. But I'm I'm really curious what's gonna happen this offseason. I'll I'll open the conversation now because it's been there this whole season. I've been thinking about it this whole time. And it's been a crazy conversation to talk about when the Clippers have been at times been the second best team in the league. But Kawhi Leonard is not a guaranteed Clipper next year. He's just not. And they're down 2-0 to an inferior team. Look out. I mean, I I don't know what's going on Kawhi's head. But it's definitely not good things when he's losing to Luka Doncic, and he potentially—I mean, if they if they lose a series in the first round, man, that that could be something that really shakes it up for this team.
1: Yeah, it could could prove a a, a crucial blow. I mean, and I think all the buzz was about how happy he was back out in L.A. when he was signing with the Clippers. He got his he got his two guy. They they brought Paul George in, but it just. Obviously, there's still plenty of games to play in this in this series, but at, at so far, it's clicked in the regular season, but it hasn't. It's uh, flattered to deceive uh, come uh, come the postseason, and I think a sweep here could really have Kawhi questioning things. They're, they could prove again that the, the the coaching was not the issue. Maybe it's, it's, it's the playing staff, and I think they got Rondo in, and they're not getting the most out, out of Rajon Rondo coming off the bench whether that's on his side or just the way that they're playing it, I'm not I'm not 100% sure. But you look at the impact he had last year with the Lakers coming off the bench. He is not having anything close to the same sort of impact uh, so far uh, this, this year or since he's been with the, the Clippers. But Kawhi is an odd dude. You're not going to get anything uh, spectacular out of him in the media in regards to talking about his future, that sort of thing. But he'll probably look at this, especially if they end up going out in this for in the first round and just kind of thinking, what's left to improve this team? Am I better off going somewhere else to try and con- continue to compete at, at the top?
0: I mean, he seemed to do pretty well in the cold in Toronto. <laughs> I mean, it's not that much colder in Chicago. You got a couple all-stars. The East is a lot nicer to compete in. As he can attest to, um, I mean, uh, Levine, Kawhi, and Vucevic, and his uh, his younger clone, Pat Williams. I don't know. I don't know Kawhi. That seems like a pretty fun uh, a pretty fun situation to me. But you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not Kawhi. I, I don't know. But that, that seems to be a pretty good match for me.
1: Hey, let's uh, let be, be real here. He had the best best season of his career in the Eastern Conference. Why not come back for some more?
0: That's true. All right, let's wrap it up here with, with my second favorite of this first round. Jokic and Dame, two polar opposite players, but two equally dynamite offensive monsters. I mean, you cannot talk enough about how Lillard will get any three he wants. He'll get to the basket whenever he wants. And same for Jokic. I mean, Jokic is going right back. We thought maybe Nurkic could have a little bit of an impact. He's had he's had an impact offensively. I mean, I, I think he's been great as a rim roller, but de- defensively, you know what what we thought was was the more obvious answer is clearly the obvious answer. Jokic cannot be stopped by him either. There's just nobody who can stop the way he plays. This uh, the the weird fall away step back the twist and turning and not even looking at the basket before he flips it in the way he has eyes in the back of his head. It's so fun to watch him against a team like the trailblazers who outside of Nerkic have nobody to guard him. It's a circus out there.
1: Yeah, no, it's been, it's been an interesting one. Obviously it was that they they had the bright start trailblazers but Dame obviously he's gone off the whole series that first game he was 34 uh, points 13 assists CJ had a solid 21 6 and 3 game and then they had really good scoring off the bench with with uh with Simons and Anthony both combining for 32 points that gave them that little bit of an edge Jokic didn't have the greatest game only because he only had the one assist so maybe you could blame the t- the, the, the the players around him for that one because he still had 34 and uh, and 16 on the night, but that was that was big for for uh, for the Trailblazers. But then since then, Jokic has just been he's just taken over. I mean, the two games that they the, the Nuggets have won, he's 38, eight and five, then 36, eleven and five. And to be honest, I think they might have lost it last night if it weren't for those 16 points in the fourth quarter from from uh, from Austin Rivers. Who I mix
0: mean- team Austin Rivers. <laughs> this guy he had when he was still with the Knicks had like just the craziest first half of basketball. I, I, I don't remember what the exact stat was, but it was the first time in a long time that somebody on his number of shots had him missed when he scored 25 and a quarter mm. with, with the Knicks. I thought he was going to go for 50, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if, if they can channel him for 20 minutes a game, getting that out of him, I mean, that, that does a lot to replace what they lost in Murray. And Michael Porter Jr. in his own right, um, you know, he's, he's obviously had some lapses with, with still deciding what, what kind of shots he's going to take. But when he's being aggressive, I mean, even if he takes a bad shot here or there, when he's being aggressive and he's rising over basically anybody, I mean, he doesn't, he does not care how close you are to him in the three-point line. If he can rise up and shoot, he's going to shoot. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's doing it at nearly a 40% clip, like this guy right before us is kind of having a I want to say Jason Tatum-ish jump mean, you, you saw how Gordon Hayward got at, um, left with that gruesome injury and then the Celtics were distraught not sure what they're going to do with their future and then all of a sudden Jason Tatum came on the scene you know I'm not going to say that Michael Porter Jr. is going to be to that level but I don't see why he can't be with his skill set with his physical stature with his pedigree I mean, he was supposed to be the best player in that draft, save the injuries he's had. So, I mean, he's got all the talent to do it. And now that he has the opportunity to do it, he's absolutely demonstrating that he can be a go-to shooter, go-to scorer. He's even played tremendous defense as an off-ball defender. I mean, he's starting to evolve in ways in the past couple months, and especially right now in the playoffs, that is trending very nicely for a Nuggets team who might have just found their next star.
1: Yeah, I think that be always it was always just kind of a weight sort of thing. Obviously, he had the issues with injury coming out of the draft and all, and he, we haven't really got to see him consistently enough to really judge him, but now that we're getting to see him for the most consistent uh, period that we have, he's really starting to show those little signs where you look to him and you think, yeah, this this guy could definitely definitely be legit, and he's, 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 he's stepping up big in this series so far with just some key scoring. Talk about the key kind of off-ball defense and that, and it's he's been a very interesting side note to to uh, the superstar Jokic. I mean, it's you look at it just as as the, the main stars on the two teams. I mean, Jokic obviously going off, uh, doing it all on the boards in terms of putting up points. He's starting to bulk up the old assist stats too, and then you got Dame thirty averaging thirty eight and nine. Shooting an effective field goal percentage of 57. I mean, the guy is he's really starting to go off and he's 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 doing doing all he can. He just it's just a question of can they find that way to slightly nullify Jokic and can they get that little bit more out of CJ, out of Nurkic on the offensive end, out of Pell, at Anthony coming off the bench? That's what it's going to come down to like we said before we were betting we kind of were betting on uh, on Nurkic as, as we put it uh, on the podcast before and we just need to see them nullify him just that small little bit more obviously you're not going to be able to stop them we we we've seen that in the regular season and seen that so far in this series but just to try and just stop them that small little bit to give the blazers the chance of taking advantage and getting getting some wins
0: in this series i want to see more out of powell too i i I, he's had a really good impact defensively for them um but the reason they got him i mean he's just extra insurance that they can put the pedal to the metal that they can be scoring under 30 points a game um a lot of things are different in the postseason you're going to have a lot fewer possessions you're not going to have the the same pace but for them to be successful, that's what they geared this team towards is high octane offense. And, you know, Dame's can do his thing. I mean, if you're, if you're getting 35 points, 20, 22, 24 points out of CJ, that, that's, that's nothing to give you a chance, but I mean, Norman Powell should be that guy who's, who's right up there. I mean, if, if all of them are clicking on all cylinders, if they're able to stagger these guys in a way to have full throttle offense at all times, then, you know, that, they give themselves that chance, but against a defense like the Nuggets, who on paper have been solid to say they've been a lot better, but they have not been an elite defense. They've never been stepping into the top ten. I mean, the Blazers need to be really more effective offensively. And I man, it's just mindless when Damian Lillard goes on these crazy runs. He gets off the floor and all of a sudden that that lead goes away. And that that deficit can increases. And he just needs a little bit more help. We've been saying it for a while. I mean, C.J. McCollum's had an excellent season. He's he stepped into his role, but it's not enough when you can't stop a what a parked car. I, I still love that phrase. <laughs> that's the that's the best thing I've heard this season. But I don't expect the Nuggets to lose this one. Though, from what I've seen, I I think that they had an off game in Game Two, and I think what what they showed to pull it out in the last game. You know, it's it's gonna be close, but I think the Nuggets have shown that when they are locked in, they are better defensively than we, than we thought they were. I mean, Aaron Gordon and, and Michael Porter Jr. Having a huge impact defending at the wing um, and Paul Melsap just channeling some, some Atlanta all-star performances on both ends of the floor. I mean, they have the makeup of a team who's going to go a lot farther than the, the Blazers right now, unless you're getting some crazy performance on Powell
1: and some even crazier ones at at, at a dame i mean we've see, we've seen it before he's capable of uh, being a one man band and it's going to be tough for him, but it's still on paper it it, it should be an exciting series that arguably the most likely to, to go to seven games especially in the uh, in the western conference but it's been a fun First couple of games in the first round. It's been a very competitive first round. We didn't need to talk too much about uh, about Philly and Brooklyn. They're doing their thing. They're gonna be they're gonna be easing on, but keep an eye on the rest of the playoff series because it's gonna be it's going there's gonna be some fun games still to come in the in this first round.
0: What are your uh, official predictions for tonight for your in half an hour you got your Knicks and Hawks? You feeling good about that one? Are you going next? We're going all in on the next. Of course. Come on. Chicago. Chicago and New York. I, I love this little this little uh this little kumbaya we got going around around <laughs> Tibbs and D-Rose and Taj. We're gonna
1: get another big night out of D Rose. More good minutes out of Taj. And Randall and the rest of our starters are gonna get get their head in the game. They showed it that bit, Bullock started making some shots in that second half and that comeback win in the second game. Randall's gonna get back to just doing what randall's doing all season and we're gonna get the w on the road tonight
0: hell yeah let's get it brother all right Matt, everybody thank you for joining us on another episode of coast to coast first week of the playoffs is in the books we're gonna wait for next week and we'll bring to you all our takes on how the first round went hopefully we'll get a couple game sevens out of this and guys we're excited to talk about it let's go nicks let's go d rose and Doncic, let's see the sweep. Bring Kawhi, bring Kawhi to Chicago for me.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment